The uh, theme for the evening talk is timeless understanding. We're probably all too acutely aware of the various uh, influences that come to us by the circumstances in, in which we live. And we see that there are various uh, themes and topics which... Uh, get repeated again and again and they have their impact on us uh, significantly and two or three of those which I have in mind one would be uh, competitiveness um, uh, another would be uh, efficiency and another would be uh, productivity and these three factors which have been deified in the uh, Western neurosis, influence us in extraordinary ways and in the impact upon our day-to-day life, it has all kinds of consequences for our emotions, for our thoughts, for our physical health and well-being and for our, our relationships with each other. And so often all of that which obviously and clearly matters, and matters a great deal, becomes secondary, becomes subservient to the worship at the altar, one might say, of uh, these, these three gods. Competition with others, efficiency and productivity. And we are so assaulted with all of this in various uh, uh, insidious ways that we find ourselves again and again in the position of measuring ourselves by those three areas, measuring other people by them, and creating a whole range of uh, so-called successful people. And one finds in, in all of that, which appear to me, there's also a great deal of deception taking place, the self deceiving itself and deceiving others. And one of the features of that uh, deception, um, if it wasn't so uh, tragic, it could be amusing, and that is the belief in time-saving gadgets. And there's a tremendous amount of promotion and publication and production, of course, of time-saving gadgets. And it starts off, of course, in the... uh, 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 computer world and it moves into office and factories and it moves into every every area of life, every area of life it's going time-saving gadgets. And one would think, now having had several decades through this century and especially the last 20 years, that with so many gadgets saving us so much time, we would be enjoying life to the full because there'd just be a little switch here, a little switch there, uh, etc. And one wonders in the tragedy, the ironic tragedy in this case, how come so so many time-saving gadgets, so much efficiency, so much productivity, and so little time, and that we speak frequently to ourselves and uh, to each other, how little time we have, how extended our lives are, 
and how we never seem to have enough time to get done what we want to do. And it's painful, it's, dis it's distressing, and of course it actually contributes in various ways to the, to the breakup of community, to the breakup of, of family, and we've perhaps all known situations where one or other or both or more within the same group, within the same unit, are working, working, working in all these time-saving areas and return home to find that there's very little contact, love, connection, communication or cooperation and all the consequences of that to people, to lovers, to uh, partners, to married people, to their children or whatever it, whatever it might be. And something is serious, seriously wrong, seriously wrong. And we create a whole industry in trying to resolve this. We create the gymnasiums and we, we create all the sports stuff and we, and we create the stress reduction programs and we create the meditations and, and all, all of that to some way to try to resolve, try to have a life with some wisdom and, 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 and peace in it. And, and sometimes it's that kind of wanting our cake and eat it that we want to go on living in the same self-driven uh, way, producing, consuming, being efficient, being productive, or whatever, and simultaneously live at peace with ourselves and be loved and be able to love. And it's a, it's a, it's a rather long and, uh, and um, um, uh, pay, painful uh, road. And... Um, just uh, um, last few days, I was just reading uh, a piece by that, uh, uh, by apparently the richest man on the earth, Mr. Uh, Bill Gates, speaking about his uh, particular computer world that he lives in and the way that the intentions uh, behind it is, in fact, to um, bring more knowledge and information and bring more fun into life, and make life easier, etc. Mr. Gates, I can't see a scrap of evidence of any relationship between happiness, relaxation, and uh, at ease with life, and uh, your software. <laughs> and I think it's one enormous self-delusion on the part of uh, um, Bill Gates. And not only Bill Gates, but uh, all the other um, um, mini Bill Gates that run around the earth. <laughs> and so we enter into this kind of strange perception and strange world where we can appreciate this and appreciate that. But the deception being that if we actually believe and think, it makes things easier, better, clearer, happier, more contented, and those are the things which do matter to us, we are grossly out of touch. Not only with uh, each other as human beings, but also with our environment as well. And I can remember in the 80s and the 70s that um, uh, the view being expressed around, well, soon with all of this efficiency and productivity which is taking place, 
we'll be able to have communication with paper-free offices. Always remember this. Paper-free offices. Paper-free offices, my <laughs> foot. It's, it's, it's a spin. It, 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 it's, a, it's another major deception. And as every office knows, more paper is being used now than ever before in the whole history of offices. And yet the deception is being, gets put out, gets put out, gets, gets put out. And we say, okay, there are these outer things which, uh, which uh, uh, go on. And some of it is, it's, it's extraordinary what the human mind can do. That we can certainly can acknowledge. And I remember when Shadra and I talking with uh, Ram, the chai wala, in uh, his hut in uh, Budgaya outside the Thai monastery. And we were trying through uh, Thomas, the translator, to explain to him that when you put a piece of paper in a fax machine and it goes round this roll, that what's on it comes out on the other side of the earth exactly as you put it. He thought we were crazy. <laughs> he just thought it was a, a, a joke, a bit of fun. We couldn't, it's just like, you, you put it in there, you press a button, it says start, and it comes out the other end. Just, it is extraordinary. There's many other achievements in, in, that, in that area. But as long as we're absolutely clear, clear, clear inside of ourselves, that has got nothing to do with inner peace. It's got nothing to do with clarity. It's got nothing to do with joy. It's got nothing to do with love. It's got nothing to do with happiness. It's got nothing to do with wisdom. Nothing to do with, certainly nothing to do with enlightenment. And all, all, it's, all it's got to do is with a belief system, which is called productivity and efficiency and competitiveness, etc. And the huge egos which are at stake in all of, that, all of that world. Why? The driving force, despite the rationalization, is one primary one, acquisition. No matter what they tell you, public service and all that. Don't believe a word of these deluded beings. Its acquisition is what it's about. Why? To feel important. For the self. And if we are impressed with that, then we are on the same deluded road. We've got to see it in its place. We've got to see its usefulness and be very clear that in its usefulness there's extraordinary limitations. And then we say, okay. Then we look and we say, yes, there is, there's all, all of that. I'm not going to deceive myself it's, that it's making life e e easier or whatever uh, like that. I, d I do need to look at this and the way in my life I extend myself. And the odd thing is that I was just meeting with somebody earlier on this, and uh, something which we all know and all know and experience. That is, there are a few actually in their twenties here, but those who uh, were in their twenties, which is the majority of us, we perhaps can remember and turn our time and attention back that when we were in our twenties or in our late teens or whatever, that we could really extend ourselves, you know, party half the night and then get up in the morning and go and uh, go go to uh, a college or whatever, whatever uh, we did in those days. And then, and 
the capacity of the body for renewal and the mind was, 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 was quite something. Uh, uh, then didn't last long, but while it lasted. <laughs> and then we find that we go into the 30s again and we move, move there, just speaking general, in general terms here still. The mind is reasonably uh, on the go. There's a great deal of doing which is taking place. And those who are so-called successful um, in our uh, uh, whatever field of activity, of course, what it means is that it increases the level of demand from others. Whatever we are doing, and if we're doing it and it somehow pleases uh, some other people, then the gossip line might go round, and then more people say, oh, please, can you, would you, when can you, uh, etc. And then, and then it, it, it grows. But what we tend to forget in the movement of life between the poles of birth and death, that in that movement of time which is taking place, energy, heart, mind and body isn't increasing to match the request, to match the demand. And so one finds oneself in this strange, mildly paradoxical position of more and more expectations on us from a wide variety of sources and getting into the 30s and 40s, less and less energy to deal with it. And then we ask, oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? Why can't I handle this? And we, we forget that the demands from the, ex from the external, they can increase in the name of success. And the inner, and the inner being, the whole of the energy flow, is, isn't keeping pace with it. It can't. It can't. And so it's not surprising that society has, has come to a rather strange position it says, work flat out till you're 60 or 65, and then we'll put you on the dung heap. Um, not much good anymore for anything. And rather than having a more perhaps wise and skillful approach in the movement of time, of finding ways in time to see the way we extend ourselves. And sometimes, if we don't look into that, if we don't see what the self is doing and in its perpetuation of itself in that way, then of course... It leads to exhaustion. It leads to all sorts of problems in the body. It leads to unhappiness. And in the further extension of itself, and the desire, the perpetuation, it leads and increases fear of death. It has to. And so sometimes we, it's hard for us to see the relationship in our life between movement and wanting and wanting, and holding, and those things we have touched about over the days, and death. Because death is, is effectively, as, a, a, so, as it were, a cut-off place where, for human existence. It's, it's that which utterly interrupts the desire. No wonder we're afraid of it. Because it's, it, it takes no notice. One could be in the midst of the biggest desires of one's life. Death doesn't care, damn, just your turn, out. <laughs> so this extending of the self, this movement into the movement of the uh, inner to the outer, sometimes we see a contemporary and practical um, necessity and, with, and possibly with some urgency in our life to say, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to renounce? What do I need to do that will 
genuinely generate a greater space within. Because if we're interested in, in some timeless understanding, something which uh, transcends the self, then we have to see where and to what way we are imprisoned and what's the change which genuinely feels ah, some space is opening up inside. Something is beginning to expand in, 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 inside. And sometimes that may only mean a, a few changes, one, two or three changes which are genuinely implemented actually makes a considerable difference to our way of being. And if we think we can just go on, even at the same rate that many of us know, through 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s, we're going to come such a big comeuppance at some point. Because this, from head to toe, and all that goes on uh, with it, isn't infinite. It doesn't have infinite capacity to keep reproducing energy and therefore, we find a way in our life to say, what way can I generate more space in life so that deeper things of life genuinely do matter? Which is not only for the benefit of our own well-being, but if there is clarity inside of ours, if there is warmth inside, if there is space for others inside, if there is love and connection inside, naturally that will show itself. It has to, it can't help but do it. And that's where we say it's an act of compassion, in fact, to look at ways of uh, genuine well-being in our own life in order that we live with each other well. And it's important in, in our, as, as uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa used to, to, to say, we're not going to destroy this world with ignorance, he used to say. This is the, the same one who made the comment about candles and incense. He said, we're not going to draw, destroy the world with ignorance. We're going to destroy it with cleverness. We are becoming too clever for our own good. And so these days, in speaking of uh, uh, inner work, and, uh, and radical change, it does mean deeply and, 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 and ser seriously questioning the kind of values which are placed on us morning, noon and night, and I say three of them are competitiveness and uh, efficiency and productivity, and look at that monster. Look at it. Look what it's doing to people. Look at the consequences of it. And, 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 and some of us, and I, when I was in the staff dining room here, I uh, was, was listening to, just catching a few words, and apparently there was some uh, sports game, I can't remember which one I was talking about, basketball, was it? Anyway, and then it was some, uh, not at all un unusual, in the intensity of one in, uh, and in the ferociousness of the competitiveness that goes with it, it's no longer sport. No longer people challenging each other and, and in, in uh, warm and friendly ways. It, 
fits. It's, it's on the edge of war. On the, on the edge of war. And, and as one English football manager, um, um, now dead, somebody said to him, with foot, football, the, the reporter said to him, it seems like the way you talk about it, live it, it's, uh, it's, it's, you treat it like, um, like it's life and death winning a game. And he said, without blinking an eyelid, it's more important than that. <laughs> and so one sees this force that's, that's going on. And, and, and again, huge sums of money involved. Huge egos are, are involved. And, and therefore, the, the degree of tension and, and conflict. And people, so-called people, in the whole business of it. Just commodities. Commodities, like you see in a shop. No different. You buy one, you sell one. You, 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 you find the middle person, you discuss the rate, and you buy and you sell. And they're just bought and sold. Play well, you bought. Not playing so well, sold. Brutal, savage, inhumane treatment of people. But why? Money, money, money. And somewhere in all, all, all of that, something in the psyche, something in all of that is seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. And you see, yet we kind of get impressed with it, we go along with it, and all that goes along with it. As I say, revolutionary activity uh, uh, the, 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 these days is for us to say, what is this doing all of this way and all of these values? What's it doing to the inner life of people? What's the consequences of it? It won't come from people there who've got huge investments. It's not going to come from, from the, the, the big acquisitors, the, the, the sharks in human life. It'll come from us and saying, instead of competitiveness in that ruthless way I'm not talking about playing a game of sport with a good spirit but we say cooperation that's, that's radical in our culture we say cooperation and instead of that kind, that kind of, uh, of uh, drive of productivity we question what is worth producing what genuinely is worth bringing into this world? What really can, in a very deep way, really help and, and nourish us? What ways can we develop right livelihood? What ways can we develop cooperation with each other? What ways can we be more clear about what we do in our factories and in our offices? All of that needs challenging. And, and similarly with the area of uh, time and efficiency, all, all of these, I say, all meditations upon, all awareness, all to investigate. And sometimes we look around us and we see that our associates are so trapped in this field of time in this way, in this way that we have to say to ourselves, let me find alternatives, let me find men and women on this earth who have a different kind of 
perception of a different kind of relationship to life, which seems more integrated and more harmonious, in which people, those people do seem to be at peace with themselves and with others. And then a movement out of that can, can start, as it is already. And one takes a step, a step further, and we uh, touched a little bit on this in the uh, inquiry uh, this afternoon, and in that and the, some of the reflections that you've uh, had or the uh, evening talks or whatever, that in the flow of these things, we've looked at the issue of self, self in its relationship to thought, in its relationship to emotions, in its relationship to body, in its relationship uh, to roles, in the relationship to uh, what we do. And sometimes, it's rather unfortunate, but sometimes one hears this, the word, especially in the Buddhist world, of um, no self. And sometimes it's forgotten. The Buddha has never even said it. But somehow, time goes by and people speak of no self. But it sounds, when I hear it anyway, I don't know about you, it sounds, always sounds rather cold. And one could end up with a kind of view of uh, human existence as though, as some of these uh, scientists or others say, oh, we're just a bunch of interacting, there is no self, uh, they're right, the Buddhists, we're just a bunch of interacting molecules and uh, or just a, a little blob of en energy moving around on the earth for a, a, a little while. It all sounds a little bit, well, these scientists should speak for themselves, and rather than the kind of generalized, generalized view, what we actually experience with, experience with life is, is uh, uh, human, human action, human experience, human feelings, hu hu human togetherness. And that truly needs to be acknowledged well and clearly. And in that acknowledgement of that well and clearly, when the, the teachings point to not self, when the teachings point to not, not self, it's another way of saying that in our relationship to life, to see if we can view clearly and contentedly in our, in, in our life the processes of life which are taking place, and in the processes of life which are taking place, to be watchful of the way the I and the my gets substance in it, gets this thingness in it. And so that when we say, I am sitting here, I in relationship to the body, when we say I am doing my practice or whatever it might be, the sense of I is in the awareness is held rather lightly. just sensed lightly. It's accommodated lightly. And there are plenty of moments in the course of the day when we might be participating fully or we might be in the stillness of things. There's no big sense of I. No, no big me, 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 them, 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 me, 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 others, 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 or he, he, she, she. There's just no sense of it. And it's not to say there is no I at that time. But it's not 
glued. It's not not fixated. It's not narrow. It's not tight. It's not controlling. It's not not restricted. And so when we are not engaged nor caught up in issues of me and my, I and my life, that sense of spaciousness, that not I-ness, not self-ness, that sense of that matters profoundly. Now, the I is not in some alarming condition of um, uh, greed and hate, fear, diversion, wanting and rejecting. It's not caught up in, in all of that. There is the sense of I hardly matters. And there's a quietitude, there is a presence there, there is an, uh, an awareness there. And that awareness has a genu- genuine and general sense of a certain spaciousness. And we can't ever take it for granted. And we sacrifice that in egotism, in self, in wanting and hating or whatever. And so sometimes the word was mentioned today about uh, protect or protection. If one says, oh, there's no, oh, there's no I, there's no self or, or whatever, then one could follow it up and say, oh, there's n- nothing to protect. But most of us, I don't know about yourself, but the feeling response is to feel different in, differently in that way. I know, and maybe others of you, when we hear something like that, my first thought goes, as a parent, natural feeling is towards protection. Natural feeling is towards love, is towards, uh, con- is towards connection. In that spaciousness, in which the eye hasn't got a fixation, or a controlling, or a selfness, or, a, or whatever to it, out of that spaciousness, something deep does come out of the heart. And therefore it can show itself as support, as love, as protection, as care for, or whatever. And there's something about the depth, in the steadiness of that depth, in which the eye is not me, 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 I, I, is not in the centre of it. Something about it begins to, to dissolve boundaries. When we are genuinely, genuinely steady and present, with a genuine inner spaciousness, the kind of boundaries of going back and forth, as we touched in the inquiry today, actually don't seem so substantial. We don't have yes and no's or, and cut-offs in that, in that kind of way. But as I say, for that, non-attachment, non-clinging, non-holding, a wisdom about time, not investing in producing and consuming as the be-all of existence, so that we are steady and we are still and we sense and feel that spaciousness in which me and my and my world and my roles and who I am seemed all much less significant. And that brings it something deep out of the being. Naturally in the end and easily. And it feels genuine. It feels honest. 
Thus, when we're speaking of a timeless understanding, that that can be discovered no matter what time of our life we are in. This is what is meant by a timeless understanding. Meaning we can be young, we can be middle-aged, we can be old, we can be with the flow of the aging process, we can be with the rhythm of uh, the movement of periods of more energy and uh, less energy, and all that goes on in the, in the whole spectrum of life between the birth and death, and a timeless understanding, a timeless understanding which is coming out of a deep sense of spaciousness and accommodation, begins to under accommodate that which is of birth and that which is of death. And actually begins to get the sense one is not a prisoner between two walls called birth and death. It doesn't actually feel to be stuck within that scope. And it's a pity in the movement of the inner life that, as I said, we, we fasten on two things, a constant extending of ourself, and somehow we lose access to something which is timeless. And there couldn't possibly be any greater loss than, as it were, to settle for the timed at the expense of the timeless. To, ex to settle for the finite at the expense of the infinite. To settle for the immeasurable, for the measurable at the expense of the immeasurable. To settle for being trapped and feeling stuck with fear in the movement of birth to death rather than discover that which is birthless and deathless. And that revolution of the inner life, that uh, uh, awakening, puts the life in its own balance and order. It's freedom which helps us to sense wisely and skillfully the movement of our life, the participatory nature of it. And as I said at the very beginning of the talk, sometimes that means that a significant step in all of that is saying, what areas of my life do I need to attend to to generate a greater sense of space? And to be respectful to it. What do I need to renounce? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to attend to? Now, as I say, in conclusion, releases many fresh uh, awarenesses and many fresh uh, uh, deep feelings for existence. May your beings see into the nature of things. May your beings know that which is timeless. May your beings live a free and enjoyable life. Let's have a couple of uh, quiet minutes, please.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.